Welcome to the Dare to Multiply podcast. On this podcast, we help passionate Jesus followers become courageous, obedient disciples who impact their communities for the kingdom of God. I'm your host, Cynthia Anderson, a disciple multiplication coach and trainer. I'm going to show you how to make and multiply disciples in your area. God's got great things ahead for you. Let's dare to multiply. I am back here in part two of this interview with Curtis Sargent from 2414, the creator of the Zume course and many, many other great resources. And we are continuing to talk today about collaboration towards multiplication of disciples. How do you go about that? What are some of the obstacles and barriers? And I know you're going to continue like I am to learn from Curtis. So we'll dive into that in just a moment. Are you busy but not seeing the fruit you long for? Dissatisfied with your present level of impact on those around you? Are frustrated with traditional methods of discipleship that don't seem to be effective? If so, the Getting Started in Disciple Making Movements course may be just what you need. Inside the Getting Started program, you'll get access to a step-by-step proven approach to making and multiplying disciples. Not only will you receive 25 short and practical video teachings spread out over six modules, but you'll have a chance to connect with others for group coaching via our monthly Zoom calls, and even more importantly, you'll become part of a global community of like-minded people from all over the world who are passionately committed to following Jesus and impacting others around them. If you want to get unstuck and begin moving forward as a disciple who makes disciples, I encourage you to go to courses.dmmsfrontiermissions.com and sign up for this powerful program today. And now to today's episode. Yeah, well, I don't know about for you, but for me, I have to go back to those scriptures from time to time when I struggle. And I'll be honest and real here, there are times when I struggle to collaborate. Um, You know, personalities are so different. uh, Ways and approaches of doing things are so different. Sometimes organizational values, um, doctrine can be really different. Lots of things that that come up against us walking in unity together um, towards seeing the release of movements. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever faced that, but I certainly have sometimes even in my own organization, let alone working with others. And yet I, I also really believe in it and I see it in the word and yet it's not always easy. So yeah. Have you ever struggled with collaborating? Is that a real (laughs) struggle or am I the only one? Uh, no, I definitely have. It, it doesn't help that um, I'm a really strong introvert. So to me, it's stressful just interacting with people about anything, let alone real collaboration. <laughs> and um, yeah, I can relate, so, by the way, I'm an introvert, too. So <laughs> what yeah. are some of the key challenges or opposite barriers to collaboration working well? Yeah. So um, one thing that I would reference is that I think many times um, sort of apostolic types, apostolically gifted or wired people tend to be, you know, the catalysts 
for movements or at, at least attempting to be. And, you know, from scripture, we know that uh, it's God's intention that the church be established on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Um, mm -hmm. So one, one thing I think is uh, often a hindrance is sometimes apostles and prophets don't get along really well. You know, they get frustrated by each other. The, the prophets get frustrated that the apostles are, you know, kind of fire ready aim, you know, that we need to wait and listen more and understand more clearly. And the apostles, you know, will grudgingly agree, yes, but not, we can't just wait around forever. We do need to act on what we are hearing. And so they think, you know, a lot of times that the prophets are a little too slow. So there's things like that. Um, there are also a number of examples, just as I look around where evangelists are actually some of the leaders in movements. And with them, it's the, the apostles tend to be more of a jack of all trades, you know, master of none type of an approach. But the evangelists can be tempted to just want to focus on reproducing converts. And mm -hmm. um, if that's what they're doing, there really isn't as much need for collaboration. You know, mm -hmm. we, we talked about making sure the, the, the whole package was in place. Well, the whole package takes a variety of gifts over time if they're to reach maturity. And so sometimes, you know, the E's don't necessarily see it. The evangelists don't really see a, a need for that. There's also a tendency to collaborate vertically. So like apostles collaborating with apostles and evangelists with evangelists and so on. And so a great example I, I think of this would be um, prophets. A lot of prophets today are big into the prayer movements they're leaders in the prayer movements right and um there are all kinds of wonderful prayer networks mm -hmm. but the collab true collaboration between those prophets and you know others hasn't been as as well expressed or as clear and the same thing happens with all of the the um, gifts and in fact you know largely 2414 is an example of that it's most you know dominated by apostles relating to other apostles and there mm -hmm. you know there's some value to that but we can't stop there um, mm -hmm. another difficulty is um, collaborating with people who sort of have um, a non-reproductive DNA, we don't want to do that, right? And so many people <clears throat> have um, a model where they are the ones doing ministry, not where they're the ones focused mainly on equipping everybody else to do ministry. Well, so, I'm going to ask you to pause there just a minute, unpack that a little bit. There may be some people listening who wouldn't really understand that terminology, non-reproductive yeah. DNA. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, just talk about that a little bit more if you would. So in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it says he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as shepherds and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, to the building up of the body of Christ until they all attain unity and maturity to slightly go beyond verse 12 and summarize verse 13 there. Um, but um, so this, this idea is that the leaders, you know, people with these kind of leadership gifts, it's not that they are just to prophesy. They are to equip other people to hear God's voice. You know, mm -hmm. the apostles aren't simply to start new work. They're to equip others to start new work. The evangelists aren't just to share their faith. They're to equip others to share their faith and so on. And mm -hmm. it seems to become even more of a tension with the shepherds and teachers because the shepherds are, you know, more concerned with inclusion and care for those who are already in. And that feels like it's something you can do yourself. Mm. But honestly, everybody needs to equip to participate in that shepherding, that care, that inclusion. And the teaching, likewise, it feels like, hey, I don't, I don't need help. I just need people to listen to the teaching I'm giving. But honestly, they're to equip others to teach. And so that's mm. a very different thing. And so there's a, a tension in, you know, if there's pressure or desire to collaborate with somebody and they're not on the same page in terms mm -hmm. of reproduction. So, mm -hmm. you know, practically speaking, for me, I find that lots of my coaching over time with people is helping them more deeply understand the nuances and intricacies of the training cycle mm. you know model assist watch leave and the timing of those and the how just the, there's so much intricacy that can be learned there and that mm. is all part of an expression of this equipping others to do it mm. it's, it's it's um yeah it's an art <laughs> and needs mm. uh, Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, I, what I'm hearing you say is really that Ephesians 4 passage where, to, you know, the work of the pastors, evangelists, prophets, teachers, you know, all of those gifts is to equip the saints, not to do the ministry yourself. And so if there's an equipping mindset, that's actually a chapter in my book, you know, about equipping equippers and how if there's an equipping mindset, then then collaborating becomes much easier. While if we're trying to partner with those who, or collaborate with those who ha don't have that equipping mindset, um, that can be a real hindrance. And that's what that's what I'm kind of picking up from what you're saying. Absolutely. And yeah, and I, I've often, sorry, I've often said to people, um, network with everyone, but partner with people who are like-minded. Um, you know, and I think that's kind of what what we're talking about here. Uh, would Would you agree? Or yeah, um, I, I in fact use a diagram to uh, kind of give a little bit of uh, nuance to that. And it's like uh, a target, like for archery or something. So it's concentric circles, 
and talk about there are different levels of collaboration or partnership. Mm -hmm. And with any given person, you need to figure out, okay, what, what are the appropriate types of collaboration or partnership I could have with this person? You mm -hmm. can collaborate more widely, you know, on evangelism than you can on um, theological, theological education or, you know, whatever. You can partner more broadly if it's related to principles than actual tools that you mm. use and so on. And so determining mm. for each opportunity, what is the appropriate level? And that mm. can um, simplify and reduce some of that, you know, angst or dis distress that we feel because mm. not everybody is appropriate to be partnered or coll collaborated with at every level. At, at every this, level. At this time. You know, yeah, you that's so good. Yeah, yeah, and I'll have to get a copy of your diagram. That sounds really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned tools, and that kind of brings up in my mind the question when we are on the same page about, you know, the clarity of the goal, we want to see movements, we want to see multiplication, we want to equip equippers, all of that. Um, I've found at times there's challenges with terminology. Um, approach, things like that. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Um, how do we overcome those? When is it appropriate to try to overcome those? When do we not? Um, yeah, just I'm, we're actually facing something with that even right now in one of the ministries in South Asia that I'm helping. Yeah. <clears throat> so this happens more often in those vertical collaborations. In the mm -hmm. horizontal collaborations, it doesn't happen as much, but in the vertical ones, um, so like apostles with apostles, you know, for example, um, if there are those sorts of differences, that means the level of collaboration is probably going to be at the principal level, not the specific practice level. So generally a vertical, um, vertical collaboration is going to be more concerned with coordination, with, um, you know, general best practices that they found, which may include tools, but that's not the focus of it. It's, it's demonstrating how, you know, some thing that they're doing seems to be getting more, you know, more fruit. So, best practices, principles, and coordination of effort so mm. that you're not having um, like four different streams of, pro, you know, targeting one small target group, but you're mm. making sure that collectively we're hitting all of the, you know, the need. And so, you know, focusing on those appropriate levels i think mm. is a way to help that's so helpful and i just want to kind of repeat it back to make sure i heard it right and those who are listening get it as well what i hear you saying is that um when it's 
vertical. So it's kind of apostles working together to collaborate or, you know, people say in 2414 or, you know, uh, those of us who are part of that. Um, most of the collaboration has to do with coordination, like, okay, you're working over there in that village. I didn't know that. All right, I'm going to go over here because there's still 50,000 unreached villages in this state of India. You know, why should we both be focused on the same guy over here trying to train him? Um, that kind of thing where we're coordinating and we're um, making sure that the, the overall overarching task is getting fulfilled. Um, and then in the area of best practices, what are you learning in general? You know, that's what's working and how could I tweak that and make that work with the tools that I have and the terminology that I'm using um, and kind of principles we can learn from one another, but not necessarily trying to combine our tools um, because there are different expressions and different terminologies that have been developed and are important to people. Um, you know, whether it's the way they track generational growth exactly or, you know, so many different areas where it can get kind of messy when we try to um, combine efforts. Um, yeah. Am I, am I hearing what you're saying? Yeah. 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 That's so helpful. And I think in some ways that takes a bit of the pressure off um, that we don't have to necessarily have joint efforts and everything, but we need to be, we can be collaborative and have a spirit of unity by saying, hey, um, you know, you work here, we'll work here, let's get this task done together. Um, yeah, one of the barriers that I thought you would mention, uh, which maybe you want to comment on, um, that popped right into my head when I thought about barriers to this, probably from my own life is, you know, pride. I mean, sometimes laying down <laughs> our own, you know, apostolically gifted people tend to think they're right. Um, they've heard from God, they know what to do. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes I'm guilty of that. I, I wish I wasn't, but sometimes I am, you know, how do we deal with that? issue and have you seen that be an obstacle or a barrier to collaboration and unity huge <laughs> huge um yeah in fact i would say in some ways that's uh, a soapbox of mine so i won't launch into a full discussion of that but i will say i do think that's one of multiple reasons why god set it up as he did with spiritual gifts so that we we all realize um if the you know if it's all up to us it's not going to get done well <laughs> you know mm. in, in some ways i think it's a little worse for apostles because as i mentioned we tend to be jack of all trades master of none mm. and so you know that can lead to this thing well i could just do it myself you know, and faster you know, to do it myself. <laughs> Sometimes we think, you know, and up to yeah. a certain level, we can. And so it's maybe even more tempting <laughs> for, mm -hmm. for us. But um, yeah, I think with any kind of maturity, we, we recognize <laughs> we desperately need others. So yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And not to make you get on that soapbox, but um, 
yeah, do you have a story maybe in your own life of how God has shaped you and formed you in this that you can tell or about someone um, that's walked through kind of that rub? I know I could tell stories, but I'm interviewing you. So <laughs> I'll wait till you interview me to tell my stories on that one. But um, um, any, actually, any stories that come to mind? Yes. There's not a um, particular one. Particular one. Well, I mean, there are, there actually is a particular one that comes to mind, but it's not appropriate for me to not appropriate to share. tell. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can we could always look at biblical stories, <laughs> and we do see in the Apostle Paul his you know his challenges with Barnabas, maybe you know, and about John Mark and this conflict that arose and. Um, and yet how God did use that to shape him and they parted ways. They decided to coordinate in a sense, you go your way, I'll go mine. But later on, he comes back around and says, Hey, John Mark is useful in the ministry. Yeah. And so yeah. we see that humility being formed in Paul and in his life. And, um, I, I think, you know, I find these kinds of challenges really painful, um, you know, when God is stripping away the pride from my life and <laughs> it hurts, you know, it's not easy and yet so necessary um, that we allow him to work in us in that way and bring about the humility we need. Yeah. In Paul's case, it, there's a clear progression. Um, there are three passages where he broadly compares himself with others. Early in his one of his earliest letters, he references himself as the um, least of the saints. Mm. And then, um, I'm I'm sorry the uh, the least of the least apostles. of the apostles. Right. Yeah. And then, in the midpoint, he references himself as the least of the apostles. And then in the or least of the saints. And then late in his ministry, he refers to himself as the greatest of sinners. Mm. And um, so it's like he has this decreasing level of confidence, you know, in himself over the course of uh, his ministry. Mm. Yeah, so good. Well, Lord, do it in us and continue to be patient with us <laughs> would be my prayer you know as we but when we do find this rub this difficulty to walk in unity and collaborate it is an opportunity for us to let him mold and shape us into the kind of leaders he wants to make us and uh, so appreciate that um yeah what would be some keys to collaboration um, you've been part of many successful collaborations, 2414 being one of them, but I'm sure others um, on different levels. What are some of the keys to doing it well? Um, so maybe first I'll just mention some things we've already talked about. One is remembering to include the horizontal types of collaboration. Mm. Um, so, you know, apostles with prophets, with evangelists, with shepherds, with teachers, because ultimately in order to achieve that quality that we talked about, the whole package, we need people equipped to a deep level in all of those. And um, second, I would say in terms of uh, 
doing the appropriate kind. So the we mentioned the target diagram. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that our collaborative efforts are appropriate with regard to the potential collaborating partners. So, you know, that we're, we're not trying to make every collaboration of the same, you know, it, it's not a total collaboration in every aspect unless it's a really, really, really close, closely identified, you know, entity or person that we share everything in common with, you know? So mm -hmm. making efforts at the appropriate level. And then similar to that in our vertical collaborations to, to focus on that, um, you know, targeting coordination and, you know, best practices types of, of things. Those would be some of what we've mentioned that I think are important. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. So hor including horizontal collaboration, doing the appropriate kind of collaboration, and then targeting coordination as you collaborate. Is that, did yeah, I get with, the three? With other, like with other apostles. Yeah. Mm, right. Um, yeah. What do you think is the role of like, honoring others, um, championing others' work. Um, and, you know, in that way, or do you, do you see that as being part of one of the keys to collaborating? For sure. Um, you know, uh, that looks differently, whether it's a vertical or a horizontal. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for example, if, uh, if somebody invites me to come do a training event, more often than not, I'll say, hey, why don't you ask this person <laughs> or, you know, that group? So that's what it can look like in, in a vertical, in a horizontal. Um, it's, you know, well, I could, help, you know, if they say I need help learning such and so. Rather, you know, and I could provide some level of help, but most often I'll say, you know, somebody who's better at that than I am, here, this person, you mm. know, they, they're particularly gifted in this area. And so mm. that would be how it looks a little different, whether mm. it's vertical or horizontal, but it's the same thing that you, you just mentioned. Mm. So again, just to make sure I'm, I'm tracking with you. So when we're talking about horizontal it's we're talking about across gift giftings mm -hmm. so um when when someone if they ask me to equip them or how can i do evangelism better right i, I might have some ideas but there are so many people who are more gifted in evangelism than i am mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. much more prone to recommend those people so you're honoring that other gift as valuable and you're lifting it up and commending these people to them in a sense um, as you do that horizontally and vertically. Yeah, vertically. Let's say um, somebody in Thailand asks me for coaching 
I could easily say, well, guess what? I know a lady. <laughs> I know a lady there who would do an awesome job and I could refer them to you. And even though, you know, because whether it's geography or whether it's time schedule or whether it's, um, I happen to know they've started down one of those, they're in one stream that I'm not part of. And so I want somebody who's specifically using the same tools. There are all kinds of reasons that can happen. Right. And that's what happens either because of geography or time or specific tools. I'll suggest somebody else to fill a need for unequipping. Right. That's, that's so good. And, and that makes it really clear. I think, uh, to me and hopefully to those that have been listening as well, that there are times when someone else, maybe with the same gift, but um, really is better suited and you're passing off those contacts of, with trust and affirmation and commending people uh, to, to others and sharing those opportunities in a sense with others freely. Um, yeah, on the on the horizontal, do you ever bring in others? Like, say, someone invited you to speak on um, church multiplication, which is something that that would be in your apostolic kind of range. Would you ever invite in someone who's maybe more prophetic to join you in that, or someone who has one of those other gifts so that you're collaborating horizontally that way? Good. Or another reason to do that as well is there's somebody that you're mentoring and taking them with you to share those opportunities. You have the opportunity to observe them. They get to watch you in a, perhaps a new setting that they're not familiar with. So that would be another opportunity to do what you just mentioned. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, well, this has been so helpful to me and I know to those who are listening as well. We do want to walk in unity, love. We want the blessing of God that comes from that. We want to walk in humility and recognize each other's gifts and work together. But we also acknowledge it's not always as easy as we wish it was. And so these tools and um, dialogue that we've had today I, I know has been helpful to me and I know will be to others. Well, how, how can people get in touch with you? Tell us a little bit about the kinds of tools and resources that you have to offer. Um, I know there's gonna be some who will wanna be in touch. Yeah, so first of all, the website for 2414 is 2414now.net and you can go on there and fill out an interest form and then based on your geography and your various interests that you mentioned, they'll be in touch with the appropriate connections and resources. Um, I'm part of a team that does a lot of actually online, you know, sites. So some that might be of interest would be prayer.global, um, pray for the number four movement.com. Um, Kingdom.training is one that trains on kind of media to movements. Um, Disciple.tools is a um, system that helps you track people across time from pre-believers all the way to streams of churches. And it's a, a CRM that's designed specifically for disciple making. 
Um, there's Zume, so that's uh, Z-U-M-E dot training. It's uh, just a very introductory, first level um, equipping and multiplying disciples in simple churches, and it's available in 40-some languages. Zume dot vision. Um, let's see. Um, I've read a book called, um, what is it called? Um, the only one. And so the, you can get the ebook or the audiobook for free at theonlyonebook.com. Um, What's the book about? I know people like free stuff. Yeah, it's well, all of this stuff that I mentioned is all free. So uh, that's good news. Um, yeah. The book is about. Um, being a disciple worth multiplying maybe would be the easiest mm. way to say it that's great it's, it's uh living a life fully in by and for christ excellent yeah well so important you have a ton of resources curtis wow um i guess you've been at it for a while but it also speaks of how how what a gift it is that you're an innovator a resource developer as well as um, you know, a, a equipper in so many ways. Thank you, thank you for all these resources that you have provided free, and um, so made so available to any of us who are interested in disciple multiplication and movements. Really, really appreciate that. And um, yeah, I haven't been to all of these sites, but now that I have the complete list, I'll be heading there. And I know people who are listening will as well. And I want to just say, especially about the Zume training, Zume.training, 40 languages. Um, as, as you know, I have a course getting started in disciple making movements as well, which you've reviewed and gone through. I appreciate the input on, but um, Zume is such an excellent introductory course and to have it available in your own heart language for those who are listening from Asia and Africa, go there and check it out. It's a great tool for you to review some of the things, maybe even if you've gone through my course or just to get started. Um, so great beginning point. I think it's on real, real media as well, isn't it? Did I see that? Didn't yeah, I? probably. It's a lot it's of places. <laughs> So, well, thanks once again, Curtis. Just a joy to have you um, on the podcast and really looking forward to continuing to connect. And I yeah. very much appreciate your ministry and your heart for coaching and developing people. Uh, thanks so much. I appreciate your encouragement. Making disciples and sharing Jesus with those around you can be difficult. We need help to keep our faith alive as we step out to do new things. Faith to Move Mountains, stirring our faith to believe for movements among the unreached, is a 30-day devotional that will encourage your heart and build your faith. In it, I and my co-author, Kevin Sutter, share a scripture, a story, and a challenge each day from years of frontline experience working in tough places. Like I said, making disciples can be hard, progress is often slow, and breakthroughs seem distant. This devotional will kickstart your faith for a movement of disciples in your area. Grab a copy on Amazon.com today.
Wow. In the second half of the interview with Curtis, there were a lot of takeaways. And part of why we broke it into two parts was because it was so full of richness that we can take away. Well, some of my takeaways were that there are real challenges to collaboration. This is not, you know, Curtis has experienced them, I've experienced them, and that we tend to collaborate vertically with people who have similar gifting, similar callings to us. But we need to also collaborate horizontally and be intentional about how can we collaborate with people who have different giftings. If we have an apostolic anointing, how can we find the, the prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists and work together with them towards the fulfillment of the Great Commission in our area? Um, there are challenges that have to do with um, just different giftings and uh, our tendency to to with as apostles for those of us who have that kind of anointing to want to get it done and get in a rush, not being patient. Um, he also we also spoke about the very real issue of pride in our lives and how God wants us to be people of humility and he wants to form humility in us. And collaboration does require uh, a high level of humility in order to work together and honor one another. But another really key takeaway for me was how he talked about these concentric circles or kind of a target with circles and how we don't collaborate on the same level with everyone. Um, different people uh, we're going to have more in common with in our streams and emphases, and we would collaborate more closely. Uh, there's going to be others where we're further apart, but we especially want to collaborate in areas of coordination. So where we are working together to make sure that that area is being covered, coordination of our work, and also in the area of best practices and how can we really learn from the, the principles that each other are using and we're gonna tweak it and adapt it to fit our own context and our own uh, ways of working. And then just the importance of respect and championing others was another thing that um, was I think really important in our conversation here today. So here's my action step, takeaway action step for you. I want you to think of those concentric circles and think of some different people that you're gonna collaborate with on different levels. And then I want you to go to one of those websites at least, we're gonna put them in the show notes um, that he mentioned um, and check them out. See what you could learn from, from the resources that Curtis and his team have developed. Some of them are really, all of them are really excellent resources that are gonna help you as you continue to multiply. So God bless you. We'll see you on the next podcast. That's all we've got for this episode of the Dare to Multiply podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you tune in to listen. Also, make sure to link up with us at dmmsfrontiermissions.com slash blog on social media, and please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Until next time, remember, God's dreams for us are always bigger than we can imagine.